0: Hello, welcome to The Real Work Podcast, with me, Fleur Emery. Unedited conversations with women who are changing up the world of work. Extraordinary women who are founders, thought leaders or trailblazers. Here to inspire and inform your idea of what's possible for you. This week's episode is sponsored by ARC Club. Art Club is a professional workspace and shared space for the neighbourhood. So if you're a freelancer, founder, working for yourself, been at home all year, you might want to um, go and have a tour, book a tour through the website and have a look at the Art Club in Homerton. They're operating at COVID capacity at the moment, but they do have a few memberships left and they've got more sites coming soon in the next year throughout London. They also have a super mailing list which you can sign up for. The Art Club offers the best of the office with meeting rooms, phone booths and Wi-Fi that actually doesn't break like ours did during the recording of the last episode. Um, It has free printing, great coffee, nice people, and it's a sunny space with a social purpose. At the end of your street, that's the Art Club. Thank you for sponsoring us. Is it actually at the end of your street?
1: It's not at the end of my
0: street, Buckers, I can tell you that.
1: No, it's not at the end. Sadly, it's not at the end of my street because it sounds bl- blooming lovely. There's a tattoo
0: parlor at the end of my street with a um with a <laughs> with a stuffed peacock in the front, which
1: has seen better days. <laughs> well, at the end of our street, there's a roaming guinea fowl <laughs> that's escaped from the local farm. What's a guinea fowl? It's like a it's like a fancy pigeon. Are there signs up on the um telephone pylon things? <laughs> There's a we've got a village email. Have you seen this guinea fowl? And the village are, a the yeah, yeah, it's absolutely popping on the village email thread with people <laughs> reporting sightings <laughs> of the guinea fowl and half the village think we should catch it, half the village think we should let it be. That's um you know you're
0: winning when you live in a village when you know that's that's the headline. <laughs> yeah. With ours it's like uh, yeah, break ins and bicycle thefts. Yours <laughs> is the Escape Guinea fowl on the loose. Yeah. Yeah. In um in my London days, I would have loved a space like the Ark. I feel like yeah. it's a really modern solution to the sort of the nineties and the noughties were all about exclusivity and members' clubs and that stuff has really lost its appeal. And um arc is kind of a more neighborhood-based democratic solution and i really like what they're doing this is a better advert than the advert we did at the beginning isn't it
1: much better let's go with (laughs) this one check it out (laughs)
0: this week on the real world podcast we're talking to katie vanick smith founder of um, the new news company, Tortoise Media, which has a different approach to news broadcasting, where stories are released slowly when they're ready, instead of in response to the lightning fast news cycle. Katie, this is the sort of the culmination of an extraordinary career in the news. And she gives us a very, very, how do you say, like a, quite a look behind the curtain, would you say? Yeah. In the world of... You know, the Piers Morgans and the, and the Rupert Murdochs. Um, and there's some surprises in there. I didn't expect her to answer some of those questions that I put. And she just looked straight down the barrel and served it up. So um, a fascinating career and a really super guest. Have a listen.
2: There you go. Only 20 minutes late, Fleur. It's quite good for me.
0: And breathe. We're going to start this session with a mindfulness med... We're not. Well, the good news about that is I'm not very
2: good at mindfulness, Flare, so that might end up as an expletive session if we went down that route.
0: And we're just going to do some circular breaths. They say that, don't they? What's a circular breath? I don't know. Is it
2: is it one way your diaphragm comes up and you go out your nose and then I'm you not try not and sure. put your head downstairs? To, I don't know.
0: I'm just not down with that stuff. I mean, I just have various problems with it, which are difficult to talk about. Most of your chakras are up your bum. Men men invented them. That's a problem. That's science. That
1: is
2: actual science. So hang on, hang on, hang on. The chakras are mainly up our arses.
0: Well, they're kind of up you in your trouser department. Sort of waist down. Yeah, most of them, not all of them. But I just think that's a red flag for me. (laughs) What do, just, what do, I think you should create a new why don't you just create a new religion flare well you probably could you, you kind of almost have I'm do you know we're tortoise we're going to talk about it we're gonna, we'll do a proper interview we're tortoise I have now like I'm cancelling off um, my subscriptions to various news services and I'm going pure tortoise I was like tortoise was my side order and now I'm full tortoise with no side orders Oh, you've definitely slowed slowed down and... and... Seriously have. That's yeah. excellent. And as well, yeah, my consumption of it has completely changed. It's become, you know, like regular daily roughage for me. Before, I used to, like, binge on other news, you know, other news services and then sort of, like, swear off it for a bit. So I'd go really newsy for a bit and then not news. And um, it didn't feel very healthy. And... um Now I'm just regular daily tortoise and two veg. Amazing. Well,
2: that is, and what's your favorite bits? Is it the sense maker?
0: Yeah, I mean, I really, I really like the audio. For me, because of my lifestyle, the audio really helps. Like I'm a cycler and a walker and a solo parent. So, and also I think my eyes are starting to malfunction as I approach middle age. It's the combination of middle
2: age. Yeah. I've now got not multi I've got not very focals, I've got multifocals, which oh, sounds they just
0: make me feel like I'm on the waltzes or something.
2: My contact lenses have got three different things and if I look at things in the wrong place for sometimes I find myself having to do that.
0: Buckers is, is younger than us and she's just looking at us with the
1: clear eyes of a of a fawn in the forest. She doesn't know what it's yeah, like. These are just uh these are just from Claire's Accessories. They're just pretend ones. Stop it. Are they really? <laughs> no, 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 they're not. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. That I mean, that wouldn't
0: surprise me. That's what the kids are doing. No. I, um, I've got these funny glasses that go up like that, and I spend the whole time tilting my head up like that. And with the phone, I've got a massive phone, and I start doing that then. And then when my kid holds things up, I say, don't put it in my face. Don't put it in my face. <laughs> that. So, yeah, so a lot of the audio and... I really like Nimo's um, um, diction. I really like the speed because I get, I get, um, yeah, and I really like the level of explanation. So it's not too deep, not too shallow. It's just you know, it hits the sweet spot for me.
2: It's like a convers, it's conversational news. The long form listen, I like like that. Good. Have you gone back into the history books? Because the history books are quite good. There are some excellent hits in there.
0: I'm working my way back through all of it and, and when it says um, I need to warn you this is a tough listen and I'm like come on just serve it up serve it up come on <laughs> come on come on come on bring it bring it bring it and I'm such an impatient person and they'll, they'll do a slow thing and there'll be the people will be arriving in the hotel or whatever and I'm like come on how hard a listen is this come on come on do we really need that warning are we so woke and then by the end of it I'm just starting like in tears sobbing have yeah. you listened to My Mother's Murder yet? no no I
2: haven't that is um, the story of the son, obviously. Uh, so there was, a jour- there was a journalist called Daphne Caruana Glitzia, Maltese journalist. Don't know. Got f- um, uh, car bombed and killed in Malta. Oh, God. And her son, Paul, works for us and he did a four part podcast, My Mother's Murder. If you go back, it's February last year, February, March last is year. Is it on the podcast? It's not, it'll be it's it's in the app and it's also if you you can listen to it on or off platform but listen in the app.
0: We should give some context to listeners as to who you are. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, go on then, love. You do that. And what tortoises? So, Katie Vanek, Katie Smith is the co-founder of Tortoise Media, which is a new approach to news. Um, it's a it's a slow newsroom, and I like the idea that instead of um, reactive news. Um, that just responds to whatever's happening in the world and puts out a a view of it right now, like a mirror reflecting the sun, it waits and it brews and it percolates and it tries to help people actually understand what's really going on in the news. It also, Katie, I feel like it reflects some of the work that I'm doing in my own kind of life um, as my public profile is slightly raised because of being founder of real work and as one gets sort of followers or more people interested in one's life it's very easy to sort of respond by just giving the woke party line you know just talking about people who are kind of deemed as of merit and not not sort of going into the nuance and the complex areas because of fear of being shot down and tortoise goes into the nuance. It's less divisive, I would say, than that sort of reactive news that says that it is basically high noon saying, look, here we are in, um, you know, in um, Syria, they're the bad guys and they're the good guys. And look how bad the bad people are being and look how how awful it is for the good people. Tortoise is much more um, person-centered and uh, humane in a way, which is kind of, which is why I'm down with it. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, so we set out to be human, humble, and
2: sh- and humorous. I think we fail on the third. We're not that funny.
0: No, no, the cartoons are very funny. Okay, good. Edith, Edith rescues yeah, Edith, us. Yeah, she's she so does. She pulls us back
2: from the precipice of... Uh... She's quite
0: naughty sometimes. She's
2: very naughty. I liked her Hancock <laughs> ones. Did you like the Hancocks?
0: <laughs> So it was Yeah They're they're near the mark And I really like Her Venn diagrams Love them Explaining crap You've got to
2: Edith is She's a genius You know who um, Not only is she a genius She's also Extraordinarily young And But she is the daughter Of Matt The Telegraph cartoonist
0: is she? That's so interesting that it runs in family. as yeah. a cartoon. My, a good friend of mine is the son of Trog, another, even a generation before, a, a news cartoonist a generation before.
2: It's interesting what you were just talking about there, though, because we set up tortoise to be not just slow, though, also open. And the idea yes. about the openness, I think, is really important to, to your point about the things that can't be said now or the conversations that can't nuance, be held. Yeah. You know, that's actually, I think, Almost more dangerous than the sort of pace of news, so the slowness mm-hmm. of the news is kind of is actually lovely. Particularly, I find it helpful for me because that's my form of meditation. We talked about mindfulness. I can't do mindfulness, but I can do slow news rather than sort of the fire hose of breaking news. But the interesting thing about the openness, did you see Frank Luntz, the um, American um, thought leader and commentator? He's just done a huge piece of research that says that. Fifty percent. I think it's fifty percent, maybe slightly under or slightly over, but around fifty percent of eighteen to twenty-four year olds have cancelled someone because they don't agree with their political view, point of view.
0: What do they define as canceling? That they, situation? So, you know, in,
2: in that situation, you know, stopped having conversations with them, befri- defriended them, like in the sort of in a in a kind of friendship way, in a kind of social way, not in a sort of cancel culture way but just actually i don't want to be your friend i don't want to be your friend on social media it's amazing but,
0: yeah but that's also interesting katie because we're doing the same thing now we're saying those young people who cancel people we would never do that we would never, no, never do that it's 14
2: well, it's 14 of the over I think, 60s no I, he, he's done it as a, a whole data set
0: i think i've done a similar thing i think i've i think i've let go of friendships because I feel like I'm so not aligned with someone. You see, I think, you see,
2: this is where I think Tortoise is interesting, right? Which is for me having a debate and disagreeing with someone, you know, it's almost like debate has ended up in a space of hate. And actually the thing that I love most about Tortoise is I can sit in our thinkings, our open editorial conferences, and I can listen to people who I absolutely don't agree with at all. But I find it—it's one of the few places and spaces now where that is still something that I feel I'm in a room where actually those conversations. Do you happen. stay
0: relaxed? And do you stay relaxed more that? so than I than I thought I would? Yeah, that's interesting. And I would say that that's the difference between you as a journalist and me as a kind of a columnist or an opinion holder, because I find that I find it difficult and stressful. So, for example, I went to um, a thinking about the. Um um classical music, access to classical music. Oh yeah. That one did that make you I, angry. I, I left, yeah. I was quite angry. My blood pressure was going up. I was I I got quite I got, got quite I went a bit Citizen Smith and a bit like power to the people. I got like, yeah. Which is some um, funny from the sort of junior violin champion. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't like it and I didn't want to hear it. I, I shut them down, I cancelled them. <laughs> I went and did something else. Fleur. I I know it's interesting, isn't it? You should
2: do more of them because they're. It's actually quite. Maybe I am more mindful than you. Hey, look at that! Yeah, interesting. Because actually, and maybe it's because I've been doing it for two years, right? That that some of them
0: early on,
2: I probably did actually find them a bit harder. If I reflect on the fact that I've been, we've been. I found it annoying.
0: I found it annoying. Annoying,
2: but at the same time. Yeah, but, but I don't get angry anymore. I sort of listen to them and think, well, I completely disagree with you. And then I might poke a little bit in the chat or, you know, and sort of see where that goes. But actually, I don't find it annoying anymore.
0: I, I had it a kind of, I have a progression. I have a kind of a, a sigh that goes like that. <sighs> then I have a um, thing when I switch the video off and just go to the camera. And then I have a thing where my eyes kind of swivel into the back of my head. Like that, like a teenager. And then um, yeah, exit.
2: For the, for listeners, she looked like she was gonna sort of pass out at that point, just in case you were trying to visualize what was happening <laughs> as I'm sitting here watching flow. I've,
0: I've got quite mobile eye must Yeah, also. they're
2: quite impressive. Yeah. There's one so eye. Yeah, there. the so oh, yeah, the
0: swivel, the quite oh. dramatic. The the eyes swivel and then yeah, I just um I just logged off. So yeah, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a closet counsellor and I need to look at that.
1: helpful. it's not very
2: helpful. It's not very helpful. I actually just don't think it's very healthy. I think it's totally... I think there's something really... There's something really I find sort of in the moment it's not very relaxing when you're obviously having sort of all these different ideas going on. But afterwards, I find the whole experience of sat in the thinking where I don't agree with the points of views that are at the table. Actually, I find the whole thing it does make me often challenge how I got to my point of view rather than necessarily my point of view. And that is quite an interesting thing to just go through yourself because that's sort of how often do we actually take time to reflect on who we are and how we got there? Not very often. And I think sometimes when you have some of these these conversations and topics that, you know, you're quite clear on your point of view as you go into the room. Sometimes I don't know how I ended up thinking how I think.
0: And so I, I if it really you're, interesting. I wonder if your tolerance level mm. is because for 20 years you've worked in an industry full of ghastly people. Well, or and, and actually, basically,
2: I suppose you could say my tolerance level is that I've always been a bit of an outsider. So I've never really agreed. Maybe.
0: But like you've really thrived in really, you know, difficult, male, macho kind of situations haven't you in the new the news am i am i being unfair no you're not no no
2: i mean it's very different now to how it was 25 years ago when i went into it what was was... it like
0: oh god i got
2: you know one man once pressed the emergency stop button and the lift went for the lunge (gasps) that's a move it was a real move he got a knee right in there and uh it (laughs) done and then we wow. went back up. Yeah, no, it's very different now. It's, I think it's oh it, it, it's not quite as in your face, but it's still there. So I think a lot he, of that culture...
0: He pressed a button and lost a testy.
2: Well, he did hobble a little. I mean, I think, I, think <laughs> I didn't quite
0: get the full move. I mean, I needed more
2: ninja skills, Fleur, really.
0: Um, oh, God, that, in seriousness, that, that's really grim. You're a young woman then. You shouldn't have to put up with that. That's harsh. And was that normal, was that normal then? I don't
2: know. Because actually at that point, you didn't really share as much. I think we do share a lot more yes, now yes. when things happen and that's much healthier. And also if you try to call it out in the early days at news, yeah, you'd it's sort too risky. of get the, I'm listening to you. I hear what you're saying. Do you really want to make this a formal complaint? Yeah. And then sort of the, it, you were sort of encouraged mm. to sort of go for a really awkward Lunch, where the perpetrator of the crime would sort of try have to apologize and you'd have this awkward sort of fifty five minutes and then in the last five minutes, they'd say, "Oh, I'm really sorry for calling you little girl in front of fifty people or something, and you'd be like, "Oh, is that your apology? Mm. Great, thanks for the lunch um i mean it was it was it was quite tough, I would say, but it wasn't tougher than anything else I'd experienced before and now I think there's a different type of resilience that people face I think actually weirdly all of that sort of stuff is sort of less there it's a little it's a little less vocalized actually I still think some of the feelings are there right and so some so sometimes now I think it's actually almost harder for people to deal with because it's less in your face and less obviously there to call out it's all sort of a bit insipid and a bit sort of just you know there's a nastiness I think that can come out but I do think now the sort of it's really different which is I do think that you know if I started now in news I think it's actually quite a difficult industry if you're not a journalist because it's quite depressing because the business model so broken you know the industry is really struggling and so actually I think the atmosphere the culture is less fun so on one hand what you had was a sort of quite fun quite sort of upbeat you know we're having fun it's a great it's an upbeat sort of growth industry but you had all the sort of old-fashioned i was going to say light thing. that's a terrible thing to say isn't it you can cut that yes, out yes don't say that yeah have that you up. got
0: um have you got a bp or a little an animal noise to go over that bucket she has like um, an animal an animal noise to go over the light thing yeah you can just do it you can what are you doing trying. are
2: you trying to play I'm with the blind I'm trying to secretly
0: I'm trying to put the blind down and it was very noisy and I'm trying so to bad look, you can mute yourself <laughs> I'm, and I'm trying to look attentive I'm doing active listening and blind pulling silent blind pulling it's well, not it's very one good it,
2: it? one it's not silent and two I don't and I'm not sure how active the listening was but there we go
0: <laughs> so next probing question Go on. Um, was uh, working at a newspaper like Press Gang. I'm not a journalist, so I don't know. Okay, that's uh, my main point of reference. Because it's a program from the um, 80s on Children's BBT with Dexter Fletcher and Julia Swahala, when loads of kids had a newspaper. You, they didn't explain why, but it was like kids doing grown-up jobs, and they had a they had a newspaper. I've got to ask you a proper question. Go got on, on then, ask me a proper ones. question. The new business model at Tortoise. Mm-hmm. You, one of the things that's interesting is that you're, learn, you're doing this thing that we do at Real Work about learning in the open. On. You're trying things out. You try different ways of um, delivering a dose of news story to people, different channels. How, how's, how do your investors, how do people take to that? Well, I think if you if if <laughs>
2: so, there's probably worth saying that our investors invested when we didn't even have the minimum viable product. So it was a, It was a one-page <laughs> idea. It's the, here's an idea.
0: Great. We'd, Good like, for you. we'd like to
2: raise some money, and so um, they bought. Uh, it's interesting. They buy and you buy into the people rather than the idea. I mean, as you know well, because you you've done this many times. But so. Um, The good news is because they bought an idea rather than any form of product that existed, um, they've been really brilliant over the last sort of three years as we've experimented in the open and sort of just changed our mind quite a lot And as we've gone along. But even more important than I think our investors, because I think they're used to it. If you come in as a seed investor, you're sort of like, yeah, we know that it's going to be very different 12 months down the line to, to what we put our money into. What's even nicer, though, is, um, is the members. So I think in the sort of DNA, you joined Tortoise a bit later than our founding members. They joined on Kickstarter. So we actually did our first um, sort of marketing about three, almost three years ago, it'd be three years in October, and we did a Kickstarter and we ended up being the biggest ever journalism project on Kickstarter without even meaning to be, which was quite lovely and very sweet of the two and a half thousand people that joined us because they liked the idea. And what was lovely is that group of people then for the next six months genuinely did that thing, that, that awful thing that tech people say, which is eat their own dog food or whatever that awful phrase is. But the thing where... We just I haven't heard of that one. Where we just served up what we thought slow journalism was randomly day in, day out, and they'd know this is not very slow. You really, you're really in your DNA of the old world. And so for six months before we went live, they just got us experimenting every
0: day. And And fed back and said what they liked and opted in and opted out. They basically said, you're
2: doing too much still. So when we first did Tortoise, you know now, we do one story a week as our slow newscast. And then we have a Sensemaker, which is daily, and we do some slow views along the way. But really, it's one big story a week. At the beginning, we did 25 stories a week. We were doing...
0: That is not slow.
2: No, it's not slow. And and they were very quick to say to us... "Um, there's too much here you know I'm going to leave because I wanted something slower and I i can't even read what you're that's, sending me that's
0: the that's the danger so for example one of the people who I'm breaking up with for you is The Economist good strong strong because you just had it sitting there you've never read it well it's just I make an approach I want to be the person but I just don't have time it's just not viable for my life you know as a a self-employed single parent who actually wants to go to the beach at half past 3 with a sausage roll it's just like trail. and do you know what I mean they like live my life it's not it doesn't it doesn't fit in with that and it doesn't and it and it's not even that it just doesn't fit in it doesn't want to fit in it doesn't care if i'm reading or not it's not it's it's not interested in if i if if there's space it's like we are the economists and we dominate and we are you know we are the best at these things and you fit in you know you need to keep up and it annoys me. Well, there's
2: three things in that economist thing that, you, that are all slightly different, but actually are quite good examples of the industry at large. So the first is that um, sort of the sense that, that you fit into their world, right? So yeah. I think that when you talk about the disconnect, and it was not just the business model, it was also the relationship was broken with the sort of end consumer, because for many years, you had an arm's length relationship physically. If particularly in print, and then it, it sort of morphed into this sort of parent-child. It was sort of like we would t- will tell you, you know, what's going no. on. We won't we won't sort of sit at an equal level. We're not equals in this relationship. We have a sort of you could say Aristot- Aristotelian or, or Plato
0: style. The BBC feels like that. I think it does,
2: and I think that is quite twentieth century media. That is quite last century that sort of piece. So I think there is some of that in what you've talked about. You've also hit on something, two other things. One is that when we started, we did long reads because we thought slow equaled long reads. And actually, it's long listens. Because if you want to be able to fit in around other people's lives and you want to be part of it, the listening, we, we made the mistake of designing for this. You know, we designed for the mobile phone when we set out. And we were like, let's, let's design for the mobile phone, long reads, the beautiful and beautifully executed on the mobile. And actually, we needed to design for the earbud because that is where, where the growth is. It's where the younger audiences are. And it's also increasingly where everyone will be. But the third thing is is a specific thing that happens to women. So when you look at the traditional news industry, um, the reason it ends up becoming quite male dominated is a lot of women drop out and they drop out not just as journalists and contributors from a career perspective. They actually drop out as, as readers because of exactly what you talked about, Flo, which was the fact that I've got too many things going on in and around. So you used to see women in between sort of 30, sort of 30, mid 30s and mid 50s was a really tough time to keep women in the industry and and being consumers of your products and you might get them on a sunday you might have got them still in the sunday times or in what a one day a week habit just because there were other more important pressing things and sitting down and reading i mean when's the last time you read a book from cover to cover unless you know you have specifically take i mean it just it just doesn't fit in so actually um yeah that, that is a very true thing that happens to all print, pay, print publications.
0: The other thing with our sort of time allowance to consume news sort of slipping away... The thing that Tortoise does, which I really like, is puts story first and then get facts, and then serves up some data and some facts to support the human story. Whereas I feel like some of those other publications, they have this very formulaic structure of like putting facts and data. And my brain just doesn't understand it. It just doesn't take it in because it just recognizes the pattern of the way the story is written. And it just goes to its happy place.
2: Which is turning off.
0: Yeah, it just goes somewhere else <laughs> and it starts doing a little, <laughs> it starts, or it starts thinking about, yeah, jacket potato oh, fillings it's or delicious. Exactly. Yeah. And I just go, and it's, and, and, and it's, and I feel bad because, you know, the things they're telling me are, hu- are happening to humans in other parts of the world. I want to know, I want, but I just can't consume it in that form. Whereas tortoise leads out with the humans, gets me on the hook. And, and then, then serves me up that. the data and the supporting evidence that I need.
2: So um, it's a bit like hidden vegetables is what you're saying. Exactly. Um, well, actually, a lot of that is down to James. So my co-founder, James Harding. So is there
0: three of you, though. That there's another
2: one, right? Yeah, who I Matthew Barzan. So um, the idea for Tortoise, I think, was actually sort of rumbling for a while, um, particularly between James and Matthew. So I was actually at the Wall Street Journal still, and I was still at News Corp. And in 2016, Matthew, who's the third co-founder and our chair, he was the ambassador to the UK from the US. So he was Obama's ambassador here. And prior to that, he'd been the Swedish ambassador in Obama's first term. And then he got the uh, London gig in Obama's second term. And James was at the BBC. So James had left The Times, which is where I met James. So James had been the editor of The Times and I'd been the chief marketing officer of The Times. And we were the sort of dastardly duo or the idiots as the industry thought we were, who did the paywall back in
0: 2010. So, yeah, that was an interesting well, move. We were the only
2: ones that were sort of non-business publications that had moved to paid for content. And it had become, it's this thing, it's, it's something that always happens, which is perceived wisdom. You know, the things that are happening become seen as the truth, right? So, just because the Wall Street Journal and the FT were paid for, the perceived wisdom came that people would only pay for business news. And the irony of that is, is if you actually go back and find out the reason why the Wall Street Journal and the FT were paid for when the internet came around, It wasn't because the people running the FT and the Wall Street Journal were super clever and realized that advertising wasn't going to pay the way alone. It's because they were both owned by B2B business and information services. So FT by Pearson and the Wall Street Journal by Dow Jones. And the people that ran the B2B businesses went, no, 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 you can't put the Wall Street Journal and the FT out there for free. We sell it over here for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And that will kill our core B2B business. So it wasn't that the publishers of those two news brands were super smart and everybody else got the wrong end of the stick. It's that,
0: and who did Pearson go so first? Pearson, no, the Wall
2: Street Journal was the first and the FT not long after. But Pearson blocked the FT from publishing for free and Dow Jones blocked the Wall Street Journal from publishing for free.
0: But not when you were at Dow Jones?
2: Yes. Yeah, so when I was at so no, Dow Jones was not owned by Murdoch then. So um, Dow Jones was bought by Rupert Murdoch in two thousand seven. And so this was back in the 90s. This is like 1997, 1998, like early, early days of the Internet.
0: And how has the paywall thing gone with the Times? I don't really know how that's worked out for the business. Well, the, if I tell you that the Times never
2: made money till 2013 and it's been published since 1785, that's your answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and was that you who did that then? So that's how James and I met. So I was... Um, Do you want to put that on your CV? I
2: was the digital director of the Times in the year 2000 because the then editor, a lovely man called Peter Stotter, had said to me, um, I'd actually left. I'd gone traveling around India. I joined after university and a bit of traveling around Japan. And then I was you know, I was in my late 20s and I thought, I oh, quite fancy a bit traveling around India. So I went off, did the whole travel around India thing, came back, was... Um, about to get a job somewhere else, actually, doing something different. And I got a call from the managing editor of the Times, a guy called George Brock, saying, oh, they've got this newfangled division called Times Online, and uh, Peter would like to know if you'd like to come back and run it. And I was like 26 or something. And I said, "Um, uh, no, not really. I, I don't know anything about the Internet. And he said, well, no, neither do we, but you're young, so it's for people like you, so you can come back. So... I was like, all right, so I ended up running the I ended up running the Times and Sunday Times digital business, sort of in the year sort of early noughties, so from ninety-nine through probably twenty-seven, actually. But anyway. And um, in my first year, I was just getting my head around everything, teaching myself to code, because the technologist kept telling me that everything would take about six months. And I was like, that can't take six months. So I went off and learned how to code in vignette, which was the publishing system that brilliantly Vignette had sold to every news core company independently rather than just in one contract, which was always a classic. And um, so I taught myself to code, figuring out the whole thing. But this one thing kept sort of, sort of like flashing at me as a red light, which was as our audience was going up, the, the cost per thousand we were getting in advertising was coming down. And so I just extrapolated it out for sort of five years from
0: where we were and I was like, oh, this is a shit business. We're never gonna it's make a, money. The, the graph of doom. It was all you basically drew just, a cliff yeah. and then saw and drew the magazine trundling off it. Just yeah, it was the ma- papers trundling off it. And you could you could just see never the
2: twain was going to meet. So I kept saying in the early noughties, can I please charge for content on the internet? And all of my bosses were like, You're mad. Everyone, you know, it's that's not the model. And I was like, Yeah, but I think we're mad. I think, I think we're killing our own business, which obviously wasn't a business because the Times didn't make money. The Sunday Times was super profitable. used to churn off a million pounds a week just from advertising revenue. It was just churning off money. Um, But so in 2010, when James Murdoch joined from Sky and was the CEO of News, and the fact we'd bought Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal in 2007 – We then had a case study of a successful paid for digital media business in the Wall Street Journal. James understood subscription businesses coming from Sky, and I went again. By this time, though, I'd given up working in digital because I was like, I can't work in the bit of the business that's going to kill the business. So I ended up working in marketing. And so um, I ended up sort of getting my chance again in 2010, um, or 2009, James Murdoch said, yep, we can put... We're we're, we're going to do that strategy. We'll have paid for digital content. And James was my editor on The Times. So James Harding was the editor of The Times. I was the CMO. And um, everyone in the industry was like, this will be a disaster. You're going to write The Times out of history. This is the wrong call. The internet was made to be open. Um, You're just Murdochian idiots who don't know what you're talking about. And so um, we did it. I remember Piers Morgan betting me at Rebecca Brooks' wedding ten thousand pounds that we wouldn't get a hundred thousand members in year one. And we got hundred and three thousand and the has b- never paid up. So Piers Morgan owes me ten thousand pounds. Is
0: he a listener bockist? Do you think he's I a listener? I
2: hope so. I'm not sure he will be very slow. I'm Just gonna put, that out, <laughs> don't just think
0: put so. that out there. I don't think I don't think yeah, I'm not I think it would be a bit like oil and water, me and Piers. But um, you never know. Let me just take you back a step. When you said everyone said this is never gonna work, how, you didn't mind. No, I mean that's like yeah. this is this is why I'm interested in Katie in terms of you as a person because obviously I've known you since we were kids and I see you in my mind like as a fifth fifth former. So when you go through this career thing. I'm quite, you know, it's quite hard to marry those two things together, this incredible career you've had. And the thing about it, which is the same then as it is now, is that you have an unusual characteristic, which is you're just very clear about who you are. And when other people throw cabbage leaves at you, you don't mind. No. I mean, you've met met Mrs. V. You've met my mother. I have, yeah. I really like her. Um,
2: So I suppose... You're I mean, I, wasn't, oh, I was a bit of an outsider, so I was the only non-Catholic at a convent primary school, and then they found out we weren't Catholics and we quickly had to be baptized and uh, we were allowed to stay at the school. And then I got a full scholarship. You know, there was that sort of experimental 15, 20 years of assisted places where you could yeah. get sort of bursaries. So I was on a full assisted place to Portsmouth. And it was cheaper for me. That. it was cheaper for me to go to Portsmouth High than it was to go to the state school at the end of my road because my mum didn't have to pay for my uniform, my lunches, my travel, all my education. so actually, the state school at the end of my road, um I'd have had to pay for my uniform and lunches so I had a completely paid-for education at, at Portsmouth, but it also meant I didn't really... I, I never felt like a, I fitted in because Did it you was, have to hit
0: academic targets to keep your place or did it just roll on guaranteed? Rolled on guaranteed. I mean, you know nice. Mrs Daughtry didn't like me very much. She kept trying wow. to throw me out all the time. Did she? What
2: for? What was your crime? Swearing in the corridors, mainly.
0: Oh, I can't believe you did that, Katie. Which was... What was your swear word of choice? Well, no, to be fair, I always
2: remember this. I'm going to swear. So you're going to have to use a lot of those bleepy bleep, out animal bleep. things. Um, I, I remember I was walking down the corridor at school one day and I'd forgotten my one of my books. And I said, I can't even remember who I was walking with. And I just said, oh, <laughs> I've forgotten my textbook. I'll just go back and get it. And Miss Washington overheard me. She was the Latin teacher because she used to call you hefty heffalumps <laughs> if you conjugated verbs incorrectly. And um, <laughs> I was always the hefty heffalump, which is was the headline on that and she i for some reason she didn't like me i think it's because i was quite mouthy and i sort of as Fleur said i sort of knew my own minds, and i didn't really care what people thought of me so i didn't try and please uh, the teachers so i think that annoyed them particularly there. they all, they liked pleasers i think Fleur. It was always the kind of I think there's a
0: generational thing you're talking about as well i was um i was talking i did a talk for some Um, school-age young women recently. And we're talking about, like, culturally how when I was at school, I had that same experience that you're describing of feeling like an outsider and feeling like I was um, transgressive. And actually, when I look back on it, I wasn't really transgressive i I wasn't really doing anything that was particularly wrong but i was asked i was very curious and very confident and asking a lot of questions why are we here who are these people what were they doing i was looking for stories and that was very very irritating to the system and actually what you're describing is a kind of an entrepreneurial kind of characteristic of saying, I've got an entitlement to the story. I want this, give me the whole story and I'll get on board, but like win me over. Well, yeah, also, but also, yes,
2: may, my, mine came from a different place. Mine wasn't tell me the whole story. you were far more curious than I was flat. Mine was more, why should I look up to you and respect you, respect you without you earning it? Just because you're a teacher doesn't mean I need to respect you, right? And so actually the reason I actually worked really well in News Corp is that I'm not somebody who turns up expecting you to respect me. I know I have to earn your respect. I know that respect is harder, you know, it's an earned thing, right? Kindness is an I expect, but respect is definitely something you have to earn, in my opinion. And, I, and, and I've always felt it of people that you know, were in authority, like just because you're in a position of authority doesn't mean that I have to respect you, you need to earn my respect. From a very it shows, age. A
0: of, it shows quite a lot of self-awareness. Do, do you, is it something that you think about, respect? And like, if they yes. respect me, do
2: I respect them? Yeah, no, respect matters more to me than being liked. So the reason I was able to survive news call is I couldn't give a shit if you liked me or not. Right, I actually don't mind if people like, dislike. You know, I'm in, I'm at work you respect you respect me for my contribution, for the fact that, you know, I've turned up, I work hard, and I deliver results. You know, that's that's what I think is my value add. Everyone's got different value adds. And and respecting respecting people is definitely an earned thing. It's a generational thing, maybe. I'm that's showing really my interesting age. Because,
0: well, no, you're not, because I never think about it. I never consider if someone respects me or if I respect them. It just, not, it just it's doesn't. It's not your thing. It just doesn't... Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's, for me, that's, that's the
2: sort of... That's probably the, the mischief maker in me, is not, you know, the authority thing wasn't the curiosity of how did I get here and what does it all mean. No. It was like, who the hell are you to tell me that I need to take that scarf out of my hair? Shut up. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, why is that a rule? I'm a bit of a rule breaker, to be honest. I think that's probably... They didn't like me very much at that school. Anyway, they tried to throw me out quite a few times. And I always remember Mrs. V coming down to the school. I'm sitting outside Mrs. Daugherty's office. She was the headmistress. And um, I can hear Mrs. Daugherty saying, your daughter is very irritating. My mother said, Irritating? Yeah. My mother said, yes, she's a teenager. And surely as a headmistress of an all-girls school where most of them have hormones raging, you're quite aware that teenage girls can be irritating. Mrs. Daugherty said, well, Katie is particularly irritating, and she swears a lot. And um, my mum said, really? Does she swear to the teachers? Does she tell you to f*** off?
0: Yeah, at them, yeah. yeah.
2: And, and Mrs. George, no, of course not. But she's often heard swearing in corridors. And my mum said, don't tell me you never swear And Mrs. George. She said, I absolutely do not. And my mum went, well, that's the f problem with you then, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm sitting outside this room going, go on, go on, Mrs. V, go but, on. And like that's this. a really, she brought, that's an interesting start. And she's <laughs> like, don't ever get me pulled down to this school again, because she's a right
0: one. <laughs> so I was like, all right, all right. Anyway. So yeah. the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, is the is no. message But that's interesting as well, because your mum's pushing back on a system that has doled out thousands of pounds out of free education, and she's just like, still... You know, she's... Well, it's not them
2: that, that doled out the money. They were the recipients of the money. Yeah, but she had her... the power
0: to withdraw it. Mrs. Daughtry had the power to withdraw it at that point. Well, she had the power to throw me out yeah. of that school. But, my, but I'm, I'm sure my mother
2: would have fought to get me in somewhere else because that's the type of woman she is. But.
0: And now your mum's your mom, your still your biggest supporter. She comes to the tortoise event. She does. She loves it. She loves tortoise. She, she must um... be incredibly proud of you. Um, she says that I am her pride and my brother's her joy i take it, take it where you find it. That's, you know, one of the two ain't bad. I'm fine with <laughs> it. Um, and, um, but you
2: know, she, but she never, when I was at the um, Times, the first time round, um, she never gave up the telegraph. She wouldn't give up the telegraph. She was a telegraph crossword. You know, she loved the telegraph crossword. She'd never give up the telegraph. And I went to the Times, she never gave it up. I then went to the telegraph briefly for two years and then I went back to the Times and by that time, the Telegraph had sort of, you know, the crossword was still there, but it'd gone off the boil a bit, in her opinion. And um, so, eventually, she did move to the Times, but it was only latterly, right? And then, as soon as I moved to Tortoise, she was right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back this. And now she doesn't read any paper, and she's just got to log into the Telegraph crossword.
0: Good. Fair dues. Fair
2: dues.
0: <laughs> we've, um, we've pulled apart. Our opinion about our former headmistress from the mid eighties, which is probably of less interest <laughs> to our readers than um, some of the people that you've been talking about, mm-hmm. and I'm gearing up to ask what Rupert Murdoch's like. <coughs> She's just sip a tea.
2: <laughs> oh, coffee, actually. Um
0: coffee. not not a tea person. Um, What's Rupert Murdoch like? I really like in real him. life. I really like Do him. Do you? Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? I Tell really me. Like him. So he... <laughs> I really wasn't expecting
2: that. I know you weren't, but I do. I really like him. And I really respect him. And there's a lot about him that is that, that I disagree with in his opinions and, and and stuff. But as a person, um, yeah, I really am, surprisingly to you, I really like him. So he's sort of, he's a proper Oka Aussie, right? He's sort of, he... He knows the name of every single person that works the front desk and cleans the bins of everywhere he works. He is not what you would imagine. He is like, walks in, he'll say, "Morning, Sam. Morning." You know, is it a memory trick though? Too no, genuinely to create an appearance. Like no, a- it's a genuine thing. He is. A, he's. He's. He's sort of a down to earth Aussie. So he's very down to earth. He knows the price of like a pint of milk and a loaf of bread. Very few chief executives of our com- of, of companies would know that because they're so far removed. So he's really, the reason that he is, you know, part of his success is that he's never lost that connection, that real connection to the people that actually he produces products for. So whether you like his products and, and at
0: all, that he has a real... Does he influence government? Does he influence who's in charge of us?
2: Yes, he has over the years, like all of the media. Um, has he done
0: Disproportionately? It? No, he's just... In a just, way that disturbs you, having seen behind the scenes? Um,
2: in a way that any of them would, you know, from the Beaverbrooks to the Rothermirs to the Murdochs. You know, it's, it's it's a... The relationship between the Fourth Estate and other institutions... That is that fault, not necessarily the individual. Yeah, and I think he is the figurehead, you know, post the Maxwell era, you've then got the Murdoch era, and he is a figurehead for something that is a broader, I think, industry-wide piece that I would say, you know, inside it, whether it's the politicians or the police and that whole press and whether it, you see it playing out on the phone hacking or anything like that, it was industry-wide. All of those issues were across the industry yeah. and power corrupts, right? And these people and these, you know, owners of these press barons, as they were called, and they were, had a disproportionate amount of power, all of them. Um, but do I, but as for Rupert, do I like him? I really do. I mean, I like he's down to earth. He's... Um, He's great. He's got a great wicked sense of humor. He's a, he's a proper gossip. He's, 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 you know, I've never been scared of him. I think it's easier being a woman working, you know, when you work with Rupert than if you're a man. So I I would, I could see that the men were more yes men. And, and the women were actually the more challenging, you know, in, in the room, because that dynamic, the sort of man on man, two stags, butting heads was, was not something that, that Rupert would, would uh, tolerate um so that power thing played out i think in my favor as a as a senior woman it's
0: funny because we've kind of looped back to the beginning of the conversation nicely when we were talking about um the um you openly admitting that you um like a figure who is widely considered problematic is what we we're talking about at the beginning right and it's hard you know because it's um it's difficult it's difficult in social media certainly and some sometimes in in real life in social circles to have the courage just to talk about people who we like who are complex you know there's so there's so much you know there's certain people who we're sort of allowed to like and there's certain people who are publicly vilified and It's it's difficult. So, for example, um, on my social media, when I talk about people who inspire me, some of the people who have really inspired me in my life have also done things which are quite problematic or difficult. And yeah, right, Miss Thatcher's. There's a picture. Is that is that your screensaver? No, it's my phone cover.
1: (laughs) She's a really good example. There you go. She's a really good example. Just describe, Fleur, Just describe what you've just seen just there, please. Katie Vanek Smith has just held up her mobile
0: phone cover and shown a picture of Mrs. Thatcher in her later years, looking. What does it say? There's a quote that says, "The problem with socialism the- is that eventually you run out of other people's money." This is going to get. I mean, what do you think we're going to have Uh-oh. we're going to have complaints? We're going to have we're going to have listeners switching off. Our, our Doesn't <laughs> mean. It it. I, I held it up because you were saying. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Is, is it interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to pull apart these mm. things. And the reason I think it's important to keep talking about people like Rupert Murdoch and what is what we learn from them, what parts of them we do like and why how they've been successful and how they haven't been successful. So for example, I am writing an article at the moment about WeWork and about um, the demise of the WeWork company. And um it's the reporting is so divisive. It basically just says he was a bad man, and anyone who put money into WeWork or thought it would work must be stupid. You know, because anyone could have seen. It, it just reduces it to like um, um, hubristic maniac. Anyone who followed the m- hubristic maniac is mentally weak or stupid. That's basically the le- that is the level of reporting. When actually you break down some of the things that he did. Um, and ask yourself, would I do that? Yes or no? The answer is yes, just as much as no. So look, I mean,
2: Rupert, the thing that I really admire about him, apart from the fact I liked him as a person, right? I actually got on with him. I found him entertaining. By the way, he was not easy. I mean, he once banged his, you know, he would bang his hand on the table and tell me that it was his sodding money if I tried to disagree with him. And, you know, he was challenging. He was tough. You know, all of those things are true, right? But actually, here is a man who took big risks all the way through his career, right? And sort of saw things that other people didn't see, right? So, like, love or loathe Sky and the multi-channel TV world that we live in, and that sort of the idea of choice, Rupert Murdoch is pretty much responsible for the fact that we now have choice In consumption right because we all had our four channels and that was supposedly enough right and you know he built sky you know in the uk and it and sort of and really really championed you know a complete transformation of broadcast in this country and impacted other markets with it as well he single-handedly Saved the press in this country, not because he did something that many people admired, which is he broke the unions and he broke the stranglehold of the unions in the printing presses, so that actually the, the industry could actually continue to print and actually publish stuff. But all of the newspapers in Britain benefited from his strong armed tactics and stuff. So he did many things that actually, you know, really did sort of. Transform media in this country and in America and in the English speaking world and actually in India. He owns Star in India. I mean, this, you know, he has had a huge influence on global media. Um, and so, so I sort of, but you know, I don't like Fox News, right? And you take Maggie Thatcher on my phone. The thatch. Um It's not that, you know, uh, For me, the reason she is one of my, you know, heroes and would be someone I would have up there as someone who is a role model is when we were born in the 70s, right? There weren't many female role models out there. And I was brought up in a single parent family, right? So I had Mrs. V. I had had Maggie. And, you know, the queen. Genuinely, you know, and I look at that and I go, I've got a woman running the country. On in in sort of monarchy level and also parliamentary level. And I've got my mother holding this (laughs) show of our family together. And so from a sort of role modelling perspective, you know, that whole you can't be unless you see it, it's all true, right? If you've got a woman running the country all the way through my formative years, I think that's quite a big deal. So that's why she's my hero. Not because of the poll tax. Not because of shutting down not the coal mines. because dismantling the welfare state. <laughs> that stuff. But the <laughs> fact that actually, as a young girl growing up in a single-parent household in an estate where I was entitled to completely free education because of the kind of socio-economic background I come from, she, she's, she's the reason. She's one of the reasons that I am who I am, right? Because I'm like, well, if she can run the country, I can do anything.
0: Interesting. Tortoise. Yes. So it's really interesting because it's it's not as soft as I was expecting. The outward face of tortoise is um is is quite is a gentle, slower approach. But some of the messages that there's some of the things that you're you're talking about are more, are more. Old school. Are you more old school than we think?
2: Personally?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I think I'm, I think like everyone, I'm, I'm, everyone's complicated. I think that there are some things yeah. about me that are, that I would say I'll probably quite old school. Right. But, and that's, but I, but equally I'm extraordinarily tough, but I'm very fair. So the fairness of tortoise is, is ultimately the thing that I think matters the most. So, so, you know, built into how we've built the membership from day one, you know, paid for media tends to kind of skew richer, whiter, more liberal, chattering sort of classes. Yes. And so, in order to not have that as our legacy, we have a one for one model, very similar, stolen off Tom's, basically, because Tom's shoes did a brilliant thing. So, we stole the old idea and went, that's a great idea. Let's just buy one, give one. Let's build that in from day one. And so, I think that, you know, like everything in life, it's not as simple as what you see, which is there is a lot about how we build Tortoise that I think addresses some of the institutional challenges of media and journalism, but I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still tough. I'm still, you know, James, we still have high expectations. We're still, you know, we're still, we, we work hard, we play hard, you know, and ultimately those things are, are considered, I think quite old fashioned now, but actually I think they matter because if you want to make history and you want to change things, you have to, you have to run at it. You know, we might be a tortoise, you know, to the outside world, but we are definitely a hare inside the business. We're running at this. We're not we're not taking our time to try and fix it. We're running right at it.
0: And um, that's a great place to end. I mean, it's so interesting. The um, and what what I particularly like about it um, is how you've brought everything that you've learned and you've modeled it so that it's light because those are the places where you're working however radic- you know you made radical changes in them but it's never you know you can it's like you can never completely update it there's so much entrenched behavior and machinery and protocol in there that it's just mind numbing starting from scratch with a blank piece of paper and building something which is like thoughtful and light, it gives you so much space. It must be incredibly satisfying. Oh, it, you know, look,
2: it brings lots of, I mean, it brings me a lot of joy, right? Because I love what I do. And I loved it when I was at the Times. I loved it at the Sun. I loved it at the Telegraph. I've loved, I've loved it wherever I've worked because I think that, even if I don't agree with the politics of of the paper I work on, or it's not my choice of paper, it matters, right? Journalism and having these healthy sort of journalistic, you know, brands matters for the society we live in, right? But the lovely thing about doing Tortoise is exactly as you say, you haven't got all of the legacy um, and some of the, some of the sort of frustrating parts of working on a existing media brand. But, you know, I don't think either's better. I mean, I love The Times. I loved my time at The Times. And I think it's amazing that it's been published since 1785. I think that's such a glorious, wonderful part of our society. And, and it's just, it's been, it was such a privilege to be able to be part of that and work on a brand like The Times. But actually, it's such a privilege to be able to build something that hopefully, uh, if we get it right, might you know? Hopefully, someone might look back in a in a hundred years' time and sort of talk about how great it is to be part of Tortoise. And you know, if if we get to help, you know, add a new brand, we have we have failed, I think, in in the last few years to really build some future meaningful brands. But if we if we can build a business here that maybe is around in a hundred years. And, you know, is, is, is helping is part of that journalism landscape. That's amazing. But ultimately, I love what I do. I, I have a passion for the industry. It, it aligns to kind of the things that I care about, you know, the purpose, passion, whatever you want to call it. But it's all about people at the end of the day. Any business you work in, you know, the joy of working at The Times or the joy of working at The Telegraph or The Sun or Tortoise, it's about the people that you work with. And the nice thing when it's your own business is you can say, never work with arseholes.
1: <laughs> that, you don't have to that's put up with them
2: that. Is it's
0: your own business? <laughs> it, was that going to be on your gravestone <laughs> after this incredible career and change the course of um, news media? Never work with arseholes? Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> could be. Could be one of them. I would, always, my sort of my my stone base and chipping in with a chisel. Never work. Um, maybe. Um,
2: no, I think actually, maybe you know, I would pr- rather have, I'd rather have the sort of work hard, have fun, make history type sort of approach than the never work with arseholes. But I d- but I do think after twenty five years in in the industry, we, which we talked about, I think never work with arseholes is probably quite a good place to start.
0: And to finish this podcast, we've had lots of your time, and I've very, very much appreciated it. It's been fascinating. I definitely feel like I know you better as a grown-up instead of just that idea oh. of you as a fifth former in my mind. Were and, you the year um, above
2: me. I was, yeah. Mm. See, that's what happens. You see, when you're you, when you're the year above someone, you know you, you you'll end you'll end up forming opinions when we're yeah. I did. So I, I see. I have
0: an older sister kind of feeling towards you because I feel like you're oh, younger that's than sweet. me. Oh.
2: It's not yeah. funny It's like a year is nothing yeah, in Yeah it's the nothing now world, But, but when you're kids is it, it is Everything
0: yeah.
2: Everything isn't it, it really is. Um Gosh she was such a grown up flair But you weren't <laughs> a head girl were you Because I didn't like any of the head girls I was deputy
0: I got Crazy. pipped at the post By a far more sensible person than me mm. Fair enough um, oh, thank you it's been lovely to talk to you nice to meet you buckers and you thank you so much Katie. that's the end of this week's episode of the real work podcast if you want more from me before the next episode or you'd like to learn more about real work you can find me on instagram and youtube where i share experience and advice for women who want to work and earn on their own terms. My Instagram handle is at doreal.work and on YouTube it's real work, all capitals, all one word. Please rate and review this podcast if you know how. <laughs> and tell people about it. It all helps. Thank you for being here. See you next time great another episode in the bag and this time
1: with sponsorship we're a proper grown-up podcast now no we're really rolling it's such a good feeling that people want we've to We've got another one hey i know they want to get behind yeah. real
0: money real <laughs> money to be associated with our brand it's fantastic and next week we've got another one and then i've got a maybe for episode three so i'm chuffed i have just going to make some more calls and keep asking around you know gather the momentum we're getting there it's really good
1: um how are things going in yours? Yeah, um yeah, podcast is doing well. We also have um managed to secure some sponsorship. I didn't know that. Well, it's just you know, it's just just a kind of new thing. I've been keeping it kind of on the down low. It's you know, our our next series which we're I we're thought you producing. were really busy.
0: It's quite hard. It's taken me a while.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I just we just got um, an, an email from this company who said they were interested and um, had a chat with them. And yeah, they're going to sponsor uh, four episodes. They just approached you, someone you didn't know. Mm, yeah.
0: Well, that's 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 really
1: good. Congratulations. Thank you, Fleur. Shall um, shall I do the jingle now, shall I? My jingle. Put it on. If you want to make a podcast that your audience will adore, where the thought of making it yourself terrifies you to the core, then you know who to call. Producer Buckus, she knows just what to do. Producer Buckus, To make your podcast dreams come true She used to work in radio Where she was polypedial and dab-handed audio Find Producer Buckers on Instagram At Decibel underscore creative Or click the link in the show notes Come on everyone Producer Buckers If you want to hire the best Producer Buckers Just put it to the test Producer Buckers Just press record And she does the rest Juice up, Parker.